0: So Shahid, I wanna go through uh some interconnected news with you and we begin with our new darling Microsoft. <laughs> uh we keep talking about Microsoft. We have some good Microsoft stuff in a minute, but this is bad Microsoft stuff. Um there was a an interview with I think it was a Game, yeah, Game Industry dot biz, uh in which Mike Nichols who is Microsoft's chief marketing officer for Xbox has basically confirmed to them that they will not be ha- they will they are no longer planning for VR support as part of the Xbox One X. Now, you may remember when the project Scorpio was unveiled, right? Before you know, when it was, it was a couple of years ago now, right, when yeah. they unveiled Scorpio. One of the things they said at the time was that they were going to be doing VR for this platform. Um, Now they are saying that PC is the best platform for VR and they have no future plans to discuss right now for what they're going to do in VR. I find this really disappointing.
1: Yeah, me too. But I, I think it's kind of expected. I think they're very late to the game there are a few established players already. Mm -hmm. They've they've invested stupendous resources into VR in particular. I'm not saying Microsoft hasn't invested significant sums into other forms of technology, you know, mixed reality, AR and so on, i.e. HoloLens. But VR was never really their focus. It was kind of a hedge for them, I think. But having seen just how much the competition is doing. And I would suspect recognising it as somewhat of a distraction in the bigger picture, which for them is to try and at least regain number two position. Because I bet they never saw that coming.
0: No, I probably didn't.
1: So they've had to double down on core activity and it's totally sensible for them to do that. I think them saying... That is best on PC is slightly disingenuous because although VR as a platform right now is best on PC, in the very near future it will be best as just a standalone device.
0: Yeah, it's not its ultimate form, it's just right. the current place where you get the best experience currently available, right? Like it's not the best ideal of an experience, but this is just the best you could get.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: So, I mean,. <sighs> I would be really frustrated about this as a owner of an Xbox One X. Like, if I was, you know, because there was a time, right, when I was talking about this device, I was considering buying one because I would get VR support in the future, and I would expect that there is a, a number of people who did that. And I find this kind of thing really disappointing, you know, that that, that they they tried to sell... You know, I kind of sold some people a bill of goods, maybe. I, I, this, it's just frustrating to me. And again, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not that important for the majority of people that have an Xbox One X. But it's frustrating that they've left it this long before they've even mentioned it again, right? Like, the, you know, kind of before now, it was just like, oh, we don't have anything to say on that right now. And now it's like, oh, uh, no, JK, like, it's... It, we're not going to do that. And and I find, you know, it's just stuff like that is just... is is. It's a frustration considering clearly they said it when they were at a point of desperation, you know. It's kind of just like they didn't
1: want to be left behind, did they?
0: No, they didn't because at that point it was unknown what the PSVR was going to look like, so they were kind of like, "Oh, we're not going to give you another this jokey VR. You're going to get real VR, right?" That was kind of what they were hinting to, um, mm. and. Yeah, it's just a, it's a it's a frustration, you know, cuz it was it was clear what was going on at that point because like in that same event they started talking about the fact that they were going to be bundling Xbox controllers with the Oculus. So,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like
0: it looked like, "Oh, I can see what's happening. The Oculus will work on the Xbox." And like that was an exciting proposition, and it's a shame to see them to see them go back on it. I mean, without any more you know, kind of concrete details. I, I'm expecting they just couldn't get it to work the way they wanted. Uh, but it's still it's still a shame. They should never have said it, really. Uh, but this is the problem when you're in a in a in a place of desperation and you announce things way too early. You know, like Microsoft ideally would not have spoken about Scorpio when they did if they didn't have to. Right, like Sony didn't come out this year and they're like, let's tell you about the Project PS5. Right, because they don't need to do that. But anyway, let's move into some positive Microsoft news. Nintendo and Microsoft have teamed up for a joint marketing campaign to promote crossplay in Minecraft. Now, the reason this has happened cuz this was confusing to me because I was on the eShop a little while ago and it was talking about Minecraft on the Switch with a release date. And I was like, "Well, I already own Minecraft on the Switch." So what happened was the previous version of Minecraft on the Switch was Pocket
1: Edition. Right, right.
0: And now, and they just called it Microsoft Nintendo Switch Edition, but it was basically a beefed up version of Pocket. Uh, what, what is now out on the Switch is the full, what they call bedrock platform, which is can cross-play with PC and Xbox and mobile, like it is the full experience. Yeah. What I was pretty happy about is,
1: yeah.
0: I did, wasn't expecting this, I got an update for my edition. So they updated it to the oh. brand new game. Which I was really pleasantly surprised about because I was not expecting that. I thought it was gonna be a brand new game, but my version got God. updated, so it's now the full edition.
1: Nice. That that doesn't happen often, does it?
0: That does not happen a lot, and I wasn't expecting it, and I was like I was thinking to myself, oh man, I'm gonna buy Minecraft for like the sixth time at this point. Um but no, I got I got an update, so I have that edition now. And so with that, the Nintendo Switch enters the fray of cross-compatibility, right? So you can play Minecraft, this edition of Minecraft. Uh, mobile works, PC works, Xbox works, and uh, the Nintendo Switch. So clearly, Nintendo and Microsoft took this as a time to capitalize on the bad press around Sony, and they have teamed up together to make a joint advertising campaign. Um, I think it is primarily a Nintendo campaign, but Microsoft are a part of it. Their logos are in it. Their branding is in it. There is a a lady playing, um, Minecraft on an Xbox with an Xbox one controller, right? So like this is the, it's co-branded and they're, they're promoting the fact that they are working together. Um, and this isn't just, you know, this isn't the only game that that this is occurring on, right? We were talking about, uh, Fortnite, but rocket league (laughs) as well works across, across platform. Um, I would hazard a guess to say this was not a planned marketing activity until a couple of weeks ago, would be my expectation. It is not an incredibly high-concept ad, <laughs> it is something that you could... It's
1: not an incredibly high-concept idea, you know. No. Uh,
0: it is something that you could put together very quickly in a, in a way that they have. It's just two people playing the game and some gameplay footage. Um I I would hazard a guess to say that this was put together uh in response to um the 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 Sony stuff. And the tagline is better together. Wink wink. <laughs> um and so I think that is this is I think this is quite smart of them to do this because they're capitalizing on the fact that Sony uh is being closed off. And speaking of which we have we have a new uh, quote from Sony. So the last time we left this, Sony were basically saying we sold so many Playstations, look how amazing we are, and we're not going to do crossplay. Now they're changing the tune a little. So this is a quote from Sean Layden, who's the president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment America. So uh, Sean says we're confident that we'll get to a solution which will be understood by our gaming community while at the same time supporting our business. It's kind of a whole lot of nothing as a statement, really. Well, there's a
1: there's a key word in there. The key word is understood.
0: Yes. I mean... It I didn't
1: but, say, will we'll be appreciated or liked.
0: Yeah, it's just what I mean. I don't even know what that means,
1: right? Well, it, like, it, it means that they will understand why the market leader is taking the position that it's taking, and he's just buying some time until they have a statement that makes a lot more sense than the original one, which was so confusing. Like, look at our numbers. You know, okay, fair enough. We understand you're the market leaders, but...
0: Yeah, the other the other thing that they he said is we are looking at possibilities. So we're looking at a lot of possibilities, they said.
1: Yeah, which has been true for, well, since the time I was there, you know, several years now. It's mm. been true for quite a long time.
0: So obviously, the the press has taken to this comment to be like, "Oh, it looks like they're going to find a solution." But you think that they're kind of ghosting everybody, right? Like th- that this is just basically the same thing said in what sounds like a more positive way, maybe hoping that it will die down.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I okay. mean, I would stall for time as well because the, the the thing is to not come out with anything. We'll just let the story continue to build and allow second and third place to carry on teaming up, playing best pals. In an attempt to topple the king of the hill, mm-hmm. whereas I I don't think it is such a big deal. Um, I I mean it's important to to those people it affects. Don't get me wrong, but I think in the greater scheme of things, crossplay is not the most important thing to to a lot of players. As long as you have people you want to play with, because typically online communities tend to cluster around a platform anyway. Yes. That's the first thing. The second thing is Microsoft... I I don't know what's happening with the servers, right? So it could be, uh, and this is me just guessing, it could be that because Sony have a much stronger presence in continental Europe and uh, Asia compared to both Microsoft and Nintendo, but particularly against Microsoft, it could be that their players... If cross playing against another platform might experience, might be penalized in some way in terms of network performance because they have better infrastructure, whereas Microsoft will likely have better infrastructure in the u s and possibly the u k and my guess is they have to interface um with uh with the epic servers anyway right
0: yeah i think I think that it, they are going out to epic because like for example. Um, Fortnite has native voice chat on the Nintendo Switch. It's not using Nintendos. So, like, all of this stuff is being done with Epic. They're not using Nintendo's servers.
1: Right, right.
0: I mean, I, I, I think... Before I spoke to you, I took the line of like, oh, yeah, look, it looks like they're doing something. But you've now changed my tune to be like, no, they're just stalling for time. That This is just another kind of wishy-washy statement in the hopes that everybody will forget about this in two weeks' time. Uh, the problem so far is that it hasn't been forgotten about yet, right? We're, we're, we're like three weeks, two, three weeks away from the initial announcement, and it's still in the press. There are still op-eds being written, Right about Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo have seen this as a time to bite, and they're biting. Um, Like this is this is a storm which is not cleared. I think as quickly as Sony may have hoped it would, and they're giving it another go. This is only a problem for them potentially in the long term, really, as you say, right? Like, yeah, because this isn't going to make people switch from PS4 to Xbox One. That's not going to happen the problem the the only potential problem is what it does to next gen and i don't know the answer to that but if i am someone who is really annoyed about this really annoyed about this maybe i make a different decision for my next console i don't know honestly like i don't i don't know if it has an effect but i feel like that is That's the effect that probably Nintendo and Microsoft are hoping to capitalize on, building goodwill going forward. I think nobody's stupid enough to think that people are going to start just switching from PS4 to Microsoft. Nintendo could win out of this, right, as the second console in the household. But Microsoft, Microsoft, I think, are doing this now to build strength for later would be my expectation.
1: Yeah, possibly. It's it's a tough one. You know, would I buy a console i'm 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 not a typical user so i'm putting myself in the mind and this is a difficult exercise of someone who um who would be considering this at all would i care that i can't play uh, against other people cross play i don't know i don't think so
0: i think part of the problem and it gets kind of lost in the conversation is that it's not just cross play when it comes to fortnite it's the account, right? That if you started playing on PlayStation, you cannot log in to retrieve your character on any other platform. Mm. So people that have both PlayStation and Switch, which there are a lot of people that do, can't take Fortnite with them in the way that they're hoping that they could... If they are dominant on PlayStation, but that's not the same for people that have Mike have an Xbox and a Switch or a PC and a Switch. They are able to to take that same character wherever they want to go, and it all it lay- lends into itself. But if you started your account on PlayStation, you're locked into PlayStation. Like that's where I think. That's why this Fortnite one, aside from being the most popular game in the world, I think it's one of the reasons that it has caught flame, because it's not that you can't play with your friends, it's that you are locked to only playing on the PS4 with a game which is almost unprecedented in its openness across platforms. Right, like maybe Fortnite and Minecraft are probably the yeah. the only two games like this, but I don't think there's ever been a game like Fortnite, like a like shooter game that has been so platform agnostic before, and and free, right? Um, so I think that's why it's it this it is. I mean, well, that's one of the reasons why it's such a big success anyway. But I think this is the the main reason why people are upset because unlike any other platform, Sony is kind of locking those players in. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's that's causing the frustration.
1: And they're hurt by the scale of the success of the game as well, because by dint of it being such an enormous success, it is creating more and more of these outliers that normally wouldn't get the kind of press attention that this issue is getting.
0: Yep. It is creating problems that didn't exist before, Mm. right? Because this probably would have been the same if you were playing Minecraft, but it just the situation's so different, right? Um but the this 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 whole thing like Fortnite has created a whole raft of new issues, right? Or, or is bringing to light things that we didn't think about before, right? You've got like all the gaming addiction stuff, which I don't want to get into um to be honest, not not now anyway, maybe we can talk about this at some point in the future. But this is all Fortnite that's doing all of this. But if you're looking at it from kind of inside of the gaming industry, it, this has ended up being a thorn in sony's side where i think initially they were very excited about it right because i think Fortnite was on playstation and pc to begin with mm. right that's where it was so it was really great for sony when Fortnite started taking off but now it has reared around and bit them uh in, in a kind of a an interesting and almost unique way i am very keen to see where this continues to go over the next few months. Like, will it die down like Sony want? Or will it keep popping up? And you know that Sony are shooting daggers at Nintendo or Microsoft right now because it may be started to cool down a little bit and they're like, oh, we have a great idea for a joint marketing campaign. Very clever. Very clever. Yeah. All right, let's take a break and thank our sponsor for this week, and that is Skillshare, the online learning community with over 20,000 classes in technology, design, business, and more. A Skillshare premium membership will give you unlimited access to high-quality classes, leaving you free to master must-know topics. Skillshare is a fantastic way to improve your skills, unlock new opportunities, and help you do the work that you love. Maybe you wanna learn web development. With Skillshare, you can learn all of the basics of putting together a web project and get the skills that you need to explore a career in web development with their course titled, Understanding Web Development. Or what about creative nonfiction? Let's say you wanna learn how to master the craft of writing compelling non-fiction. This is something that Skillshare can help you with and then you can put it to good use anywhere you put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer for listeners of this show. You can get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents, which is 99 cents for two months access for all of these fantastic classes, the over 20,000 classes. Go to skillshare.com slash remaster. Once again, that is skillshare.com slash remaster to get two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes at Skillshare just ninety nine cents. Head there right now, check it out, and start learning today. Our thanks to Skillshare for their support of this show. So earlier today, Shahid, you said to me I have an idea for something to talk about today, and my interest was immediately piqued by this. I thought this was really a really fascinating discussion. Do you want to set up what you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, I I think we all are fascinated by technology. And we talk about it on this show an awful lot. And, of course, you have lots of other shows in which you talk about technology. But what I wanted to do was kind of like a, a, a remaster type approach to the subject, which was, if you've got this amazing tech that's come out, how would it affect games that we've already played and love? How, how could it have changed those games? And, and, and in doing that, perhaps understand how some of this tech will be used in games in the future.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. So why don't don't you start off, maybe one of the best ways to explain it is to start off with an example.
1: Okay, so how about haptic controllers? Okay. we've, We've talked about haptics being the next stage in VR immersion for quite a while. But okay, so what does it mean to people? Well, I thought, how about haptic controllers meet walking simulators? And a game that we all played and finished, which is unusual because I don't finish many games anymore, was Firewatch. And I hate to call it a walking simulator because it was much more than that for me. It was an experience that I will always remember and treasure. And I still read about it. You know, I still read articles about uh, Firewatch and, and find the development process fascinating. And I watch videos on it. But if you were in that game in VR and you had haptic controllers, how might that have affected the way you felt about the game?
0: Well, I mean honestly, Firewatch feels like a fantastic candidate for VR if that was something that was possible. You know, I mean, and again, like haptics they they do exist in the Oculus controllers. And I will say that by and large, my experience is heightened significantly because of how tactile the controllers feel. So like you have when you're picking up things and grabbing them, you get these little vibrations that add so much to the worlds that you're in. And a game like Firewatch, you know, you know what I was thinking of as well. Like, what if you could attach other types of these sensors to your body in some way? So like, imagine in a game like Firewatch, if you could. Again, I don't want to be completely strapped into these things, but just like imagine if you had sensors that you could attach to your feet. So as you were moving around, maybe it would give you these little taps. I don't know if that would be better or worse for motion sickness, honestly. <laughs> but it would be really interesting. And I think that like the addition of really good haptic uh, feedback in the controllers is just one of the many reasons that I find... The Oculus experience better to the PSVR experience because the Oculus Touch controllers feel really good.
1: So, would you buy it again if there was a VR version running on Oculus? One hundred percent. Yeah,
0: yeah. Firewatch would be a would be a no brainer for me. Like as if they if they ported it well, if they found an interesting way to do it. I mean, I I really don't know how you would solve the movement mechanic. The more games I play. The more convinced I am that um, standard movement mechanics of walking do not work in VR currently, um, it is very disorientating. Uh, I don't get sick; I just get very disorientated. It doesn't feel natural to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm in mm-hmm. these, in these worlds, and I can move my arms around, but then when I move forward, I'm not feeling it. Like it's it's if I find it to be very disorientating, and, and I do wonder if there is some kind of way to fake it i i don't know if there is this might just need to be something where for the time being you just end up with a bunch of games where they come up with new and inventive ways to have you moving you know with like yeah. teleportation and stuff which yeah. seems to be the the key and i you know i i do look forward to when that when that style of movement becomes a standard and less of a gimmick, which is explained in the games, which tends to be how it is right now, it's like you have teleportation boots. It's like I know why we're doing that right now, but but eventually we can kind of just forget that that's the thing that we need to explain.
1: Yeah, I I think the games that work best for me are where either where you're stationary or you're yep. teleporting, or you are in some kind of cockpit.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree completely, and I, and I wonder, I wonder if. There, There is a way to help ease people into that with some kind of sensors. I would expect somebody's tried it. And, and even if it does work, I think one of the problems would be um, just how much stuff do you want to strap to yourself?
1: I don't know. Yeah, as little as possible. I mean, yep. we're, we're kind of moving away from that anyway, I, I think, to some degree. Yes. Because we don't want to be tethered by the wires on a VR headset. Why would we want to strap more stuff on? Yep. But if you could make the controllers better, I mean, did you see the uh, the new knuckle controllers for no. for the Vive? No, I haven't. They seen are those. cool. I don't know why I didn't mention those before, but they look really cool. So then there's that. Then then maybe in the future you've got controls that will actually stop your fingers from moving a certain distance, as mm-hmm. if you've actually literally held something. Right now, the term for that completely escapes me, but. Um, I guess it's an extreme form of haptic feedback, right? You touch something and, and I don't know if you ever saw, there was a video doing the rounds recently where there was a surface that moved along a desk, had loads of kind of volumetric cylinders that rose up and down as you moved your hand over it. So it felt like you were moving your hand over an actual surface yeah. with defined contours. So that, that kind of thing, I, I think, is just over the top and it needs to be done on a, a glove. Type level.
0: These knuckle controllers look very
1: compelling. Yeah, they are nice.
0: But this isn't, you know, if you're looking at kind of trends in technology outside of video gaming, everyone's talking about machine learning. And this is one where I think more machine learning in games could end up being fascinating. And I was thinking about a game like Grand Theft Auto. Now, Grand Theft Auto occurs in a world right like a world which is populated by characters and I thought to myself wouldn't it be interesting if the game developers just did a base level of, of work in defining the AI and then the AI learns based upon the way that individual players play each game like what would that even look like if you end up with the AI in the game being taught by the way that a, a, the real world
1: of human beings plays that game, yeah, that that would be incredible.
0: Like, I feel like that there's so much machine learning. I think will probably out of everything we're talking about will probably be the thing that hits soonest and furthest into artificial intelligence, right? Because AI, artificial intelligence, which is by and large machine learning is the way that we think of it now, that has existed in some form of video games forever, right? But it's always been, especially compared to what is available now by a lot of these companies, relatively primitive, right? But now the technology is there to significantly expand the way that non-player characters can think and act in video games.
1: That they can become ludicrously smart. You know, in Unity, you're doing this thing called uh, machine learning agents, and you mm-hmm. can train a model and then you can introduce a model into the game. And these things are already doing utterly crazy things like being able to navigate all kinds of complicated environments, play football, and and lots more. The other interesting thing is, of course, if you have a massively multiplayer game, let's say you continuing your example of Grand Theft Auto, let's say it was a massively multiplayer uh, online version of the game, and you had a whole bunch of autonomous agents and they were learning from you. And what What the developers could do is run their learning models, run their training models, rather, offline all the time, watching people play. So based on actual gameplay, they could continue to train the agents that were in the game and every so often there's like like in the matrix you know like the glitch in the matrix they're doing an update so they do an update and suddenly these things that you thought that you'd been able to master are now not just smarter Mm -hmm. but smarter in an almost human way because they are actually working strategies out around human play
0: that would be fascinating right like i really hope that they're able that that this is a thing that comes soon i would love this kind. Of, it feels you know like all this stuff feels vaguely next genny right to me yeah right just because of the time that it takes to be able to effectively do this kind of thing but it's that would be so exciting
1: you know what the cool thing is about machine learning is if you do your training of the the models offline it doesn't actually require that much performance. So you don't kill systems by having this running. I mean, even with the Apple stuff, you've you've seen them doing a whole bunch of machine learning activity, especially during the recent WWDC, even their stuff. That's going to run on an iPhone, no problem, because it's not actually doing the training of the agents on the iPhone. Though I think that I haven't had a look at the SDK closely. I think there might be an option to even do that over a long period of time. Who knows? I wouldn't want to do it on an iOS device, maybe a Mac. But running those agents is actually not that intensive. So I, I'm just really, really excited about this. I'm staring at this massive tome on my shelf in front of the Mac, by the way, which which says machine learning It's about 20 trillion pages. Really must get around to reading it. It's um, uh, by Murphy. And it's about a thousand plus pages. It's a crazy book. But this is the area I'm really excited about because the implications are so extreme. Yep. Could you have an unbeatable game? Yeah, of course you could. But if it was done around not impossible behavior, but but behavior that could be modeled by a human, but only the very, 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 very best, maybe you've tweaked your models in such a way that only three or four people in the whole world can beat the game. So you have one one way of beating the game and only the absolute elite can do it. That kind of thing becomes possible because what you do is you carry on training the agents again and again and again and again until they've basically beaten every human being. It's like the chess computers, right?
0: What about, you know, if we look at VR and stuff, what about MR, mixed reality? Um, I think one of the things that's been shown off in in this potential future thing is Minecraft, right? Like, Minecraft looks really interesting uh, in mixed reality. This was something that that, that Microsoft showed off of HoloLens, probably one of the reasons they purchased Microsoft or Mojang in the first place. Mm. What do you think about, about mixed reality? Do you think that it has widely applicable gaming uses like VR does?
1: Hmm. Mixed reality I've always thought of as something that was more useful in the real world in applications mm-hmm. than in games. There are a few special case games where it where it works, clearly. Um, you know, Pokemon being a fantastic example. Yep. Um any anything location based would benefit from it. But mostly I think it's a real-world thing, something that augments your real-world experience in some way. And games aren't about that. I think games are very much escapism. And for that reason, I think mixed reality, augmented reality, that side of the spectrum of mixed reality anyway, they are much more suited to applications and real-world augmentation. Maybe I'm just being unimaginative. Can you think of an example?
0: I think Minecraft is the logical example.
1: I, I, I have always looked at
0: mixed reality as more of an information-based tool. But honestly, I think mixed reality is... is It doesn't actually exist as a future product line. It's just mm. a way to bridge between uh, what the technology we have now and really good AR devices. I think mixed reality is just a stop gap until AR devices can be much better right like until we can have something like Google Glass Um, and I think that mixed reality devices like the HoloLens are just a a hold off period until we can get to that point
1: yeah I think you're right
0: I was thinking about like because a lot of this was let's take some technology and apply it to games we've enjoyed and I just thought to myself like there are a lot of interesting games that are built for small screens That could work in virtual reality, like a game like Monument Valley, which is mostly like a manipulation game, right? Where you are like manipulating something with your finger. And I was thinking how interesting it could be to have a game like that. Yeah, maybe even monument valley could work well in mixed reality as well but but something that you could where you could move around and look under and over and and turn it and stuff like that like uh, in a couple of weeks uh captain toad's treasure tracker comes out on nintendo switch which was a wii u game it's also coming out on 3ds as well and right. you know if you imagine nintendo makes monument valley that is captain toad's treasure tracker um, and games like that, I think, could be kind of fun in VR as well. If if you're able to take something that was previously small, expand it a little bit, but not put you in the world, but have you overlooking the world in an almost right. like godlike fashion.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it would have the look of Monument Valley, but it wouldn't have the puzzles of Monument Valley. Because the thing about Monument Valley is it's true isometric, and mm-hmm. the puzzles work because of its true isometric nature. So you would yep. still have forced perspective. And you would still have that look, you would still have that kind of beautiful, otherworldly uh, feel to it. But it might be a different game, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing.
0: This is one of the differences between Monument Valley and Captain Toad, where it is isometric in view, but you move the world around as a way to help you solve the puzzles. Yeah. So sometimes, like, you can't work out the answer to a puzzle until you've seen the backside of the world that you're looking at. The little kind of um, they, they give them names, like dioramas, is what they called them. Yeah. Initially, yeah. like, yeah. so you have to physically move them around sometimes to understand what you're looking at. And there is some element of that in Monument Valley in some places where you would like turn a table and it would shift something. But that's kind of like the the big difference. And so it's like those kinds of experiences could be. Could be pretty interesting in a VR environment, I think, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, dioramas are great in VR. And you're right, Monument Valley does, feel, does have that feel. Isometric mm-hmm. or otherwise, forced perspective or otherwise, it has that, that, that beautiful feel. So how about this? How about health sensors? And okay, the, re- the reason I think about this, I'm thinking about my Apple Watch and how I was watching a Liverpool match a couple of months back. And it was the first time I'd ever had a warning from my watch. While I was sitting down, my heart rate had gone over 100 beats per minute. And it was a Liverpool Man City game. And, And I thought, well, hang on a minute. How about something like this in a horror game? Particularly a VR horror game, you know, where it's checking your heart rate. And when you've chilled out sufficiently, it gives you a scare again.
0: Yeah, you know, there is a way that you can make something like that even interesting to someone like me, where like I scare more easily. So like you could tone the you could tone the horror to each individual's personal
1: Yeah. Like stress level. Yeah. Can you handle it? Exactly. And it- okay, we'll push your heartbeat to two hundred then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's
1: like we can you can, you
0: know if you can't handle it we'll give you the baby version but there's
1: also a, like a terror
0: version if you need it
1: okay maybe there would be some lawsuits and maybe this isn't gonna happen
0: <laughs> probably not right like you get Imagine the person who wants the chill version and then something goes wrong and they didn't plug the sensor in properly <laughs> and then
1: <laughs> sounds like an episode of Black Mirror now
0: <laughs> a lot of this stuff is very Black Mirror-y though I yeah. think but I do, I do agree with you though that um health sensors and VR to, as a combo could be pretty cool like even just as like a way to tap into a smartwatch and cuz again like if so many companies now are moving towards trying to track our vital signs for us this could be a good way for a, a gaming company to do it and it makes me think of Nintendo's like what do they call it? I think they called it quality of life initiative Right. Do you remember this, where they were making no. a heart rate sensor, but it just, nothing ever happened to that?
1: Ah, uh, no, I don't remember that. So, who knows? I do remember getting a Wii Fit board, though.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, Shahid, actually, before we finish today... um. I well, wanted we to give a, a, a quick note that we're going to be taking uh, an episode off because we've got a bunch of summer travel coming up with the three of us. But that did, when I was thinking about the fact that I was just telling people that, right, hey, we're going to be skipping an episode. If you wonder in a couple of weeks' time why there's no remaster, that's why. So we'll be back towards the end of July. Um, it made me think about the summer and video games. And I wanted to ask you, do you have any specific game that, evokes summer for you or like a specific time in your life when a video game dominated your summer
1: yeah i think i mean my very first and earliest example of that would have been the spectrum version of jet set willy which cost me my a-level exams okay uh which <laughs> which basically took day and night but a more recent example would be call of duty uh modern warfare specifically mm-hmm Uh, I remember many, many long summer nights where I'd have a whole load of friends over and we would just play um, multiplayer, you know, four players on the same screen at the same time, Call of Duty until very late, night after night after night. And it was just wonderful because it was not about this online kind of detached, uh, very serious play. It was just very fun, very chilled, friends having fun, you know, and and that game was the vehicle for that fun and happiness. And for me, that was—I mean, even though it's got nothing to do with summer, right? I mean, how has that got anything to do with summer? But that was a game that we played together for a long time and enjoyed a lot. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of miss that. There's always more Call of Duty games, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you but...
0: need more, well, they'll keep—they'll keep coming. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> All right, enjoy your summer, everybody. We'll be back in, in, a, in a few weeks' time.